Welcome to another episode of the Yours Truly podcast. I'm your host, Claire Tuning, a peanut butter and jelly enthusiast turned registered dietitian, yoga teacher, nutrition coach, and entrepreneur. I believe that happiness and health comes from the ability to truly nourish your body, mind, and spirit through food, movement, and relationships. That's what this podcast is all about. Together, we'll learn to eat gently, move freely, and love fiercely, and probably make a lot of puns along the way. So join me and my stellar squad of guests to learn the tools that you need to break free from a world of diet culture and negativity to fully, gently, and mindfully step into your own source of power. Yours, Julie, Claire. Here we go. Hello, welcome to episode 35 of the Yours Julie podcast. If you've been with me before, I truly appreciate you coming back for another week with Yours Julie. If you're new to our little podcast here for however you got here, I'm so glad you navigated your way to our little corner of Podcast Nation. And on today's episode of the Yours Julie podcast, I am going solo to cover one of my favorite topics on intuitive eating and eating in general. It's how can we make food fun, adventurous, and enjoyable again so that we can start to view it as a form of self-care and something that we want to have a positive relationship with, right? Because if you can't have fun with something, if you can't view it as a form of self-care, then it's going to be really hard to think positively towards that thing. So I'm going to give you some tactical tips, tricks, and items to help you enjoy food again. But before we get to that topic, which I'm so excited about, I'm like already sweating because I'm so excited to deliver this fire on the mic. But before we get there, if you've been here before, you know that I always start out every single podcast episode with featuring a weekly post from the Yours Truly Goal Slaying Facebook community. So if you're like, Claire, what the heck? is that. Well, this is a little corner of the internet, as I like to say, that I have created that is filled with wonderfully amazing people who are working to mend their relationship with food and their own body through relearning how to eat, move, and live intuitively. So this week's post, she actually posted it last week, but I think it's so awesome. I'm going to feature it this week, comes from a member of the community that's been hanging out with us since I believe the beginning of January. So she's been hanging out with us for a while and she writes, I had a breakthrough on guiltless vacation eating while in Yosemite. I decided not to restrict myself. I ate more because of the mentality that I'm on vacation. So I'm just going to enjoy it. I know that the old me would have been like, Oh, when I get home, I'm going to go on a diet from all of the weight that I've gained, but I didn't do that. I also didn't feel guilty about what I ate because those pounds that I gained are the amazing experiences and awesome memories from my trip. It's exactly where my body needs to be naturally. I was going on hikes almost every day and most of the time I was there, I noticed that I was more hungry and I allowed myself to eat. It's all about balance and loving yourself on every step of your journey towards your best self. So 
to this goal slayer. If you are listening to the podcast, you just got a shout out. I love that reflection. And she even included a picture here in our community where she looks so happy with the food that she is giving herself unconditional permission to eat. So I loved seeing this. I love seeing the post from everyone in our community who is putting forth such effort and hard work to relearn how to eat intuitively so they can add enjoyment, right? Like we're going to talk about today on the podcast back to their life through their relationship with food. So if you're listening to this and you're like, that sounds awesome. I want to hang out in that community as well. This is your open invitation. So if you hung out with us on the podcast before, and you're hearing me say this every stinking week, and you're still not hanging out with us in the community, be sure to seek us out. So the way that you can do this, the group is open. It is free for you to join. However, I do have everyone who comes in now fill out a brief application, one, so that I can get to know you a little bit better, and two, so that I can kind of lay the ground rules of the community so that this stays the most positive, wonderful, supportive, and uplifting place on the internet. So If you are looking for that quiz, you can find it in my Instagram bio. It'll say, join the free Facebook community. My name on Instagram is Claire Tuning. Excuse me. I had a fizzy water before I hopped on this podcast, which is probably a bad idea because now I'm burping. Is that too much information to tell a podcast? I don't know. We're friends here, right? I'm not going to edit this out, but I'm Claire Tuning on Instagram. That's something to remember me by right there. You can find the link to the application for this Facebook community in the link on my bio on Instagram. You can also shoot me a DM on Instagram telling me that you're listening to the podcast. You want to join the community. I would be more than happy to send you the application there. And you can also send me a friend request on Facebook. You guessed it. My name is Claire Tuning. I make it really easy for you guys. You can send me a friend request there, shoot me a message telling me that you want to join the community. So that is what I have to say this week about the Yours Julie Goal Slaying Facebook community. As always, if you're hanging out in that group, thank you so much for being the wonderful human being that you are and being present there every single day. Now, the second little announcement thing that I have, I introed this on my story on Instagram last week, but I plan on making another post and I figured I would introduce it to the audience here. See what I did there? Podcast audience audience. This is a intuitive eating quiz that I have put together to help you determine if intuitive eating is right for you at this moment in your life. So the thing that I've been saying when I've introed this little quiz anywhere is spoiler alert, intuitive eating is for everyone at any stage, but it does require a mindset and a dedication to that mindset that you have to be willing to unlearn a lot of the things that you've learned to be true about food and nutrition and relearn it in a different way. So what this quiz is more directed at is, are you at a place in your life right now where you are open to learning what the intuitive path looks like? And is that going to fit with your life right now? So the coolest thing about this quiz. Again, you can find this in the link in my Instagram bio. It will say, take the quiz or something like that. I don't remember how I worded it, but the cool thing about this is it's not an automated response. So when you submit this, give me at least 24 hours because I have some of these rolling in and it does take me time to respond. I respond to your questions, to your quiz 
personally so that you actually get information that is tailored to you based on what you answered. So this is your opportunity if you're wondering... Am I at the right point in my life to learn what intuitive eating is about and to use it to improve my relationship with food, you know, myself, life as a whole? This is a really great place for you to get started and get some one-on-one personalized feedback from yours truly on how to get there. So again, the link to that intuitive eating quiz lives in my Instagram bio at Claire Tuning. I feel like I need to take a breath after that intro. And I always joke with my clients too, whenever we're on the phone and I like get through a little spiel or, you know, telling them something that I'm super excited about, I always feel like I have just run a marathon with my words. And I kind of feel like that right now. It's like, I got to catch my breath. Like, is this considered cardio? I don't know. Maybe I should check my heart rate. But now, da 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 you hang out with me here, you know that I have really fancy transition music. LOL, totally kidding. I do this all myself. I don't know how to edit anything. So I make the transition music myself. So that was my fancy, super duper amazing transition into today's topic on how can I add more enjoyment, fun, and adventure back to food. So how I have structured this is I've broken it down into four different categories that I believe food to be, that I think it's really important to kind of put your relationship with food into these categories and allow them to guide you in how to have more fun with food and improve your relationship with food. So I'm going to tell you the four categories that I'm going to break each one of them down, giving you a little snippet of why this is important and what I mean by this, followed with two tips under each category on how you can actually make this a reality in your life. I got a recent review on the podcast, which shameless plug, if you have been listening or if you're listening now and you have not left a rating and review, please go and do so. That is going to help this podcast grow and the message get to more peeps who need it. Peeps, I'm like thinking the candy in my brain because Easter's coming up. Anyways, I got a podcast review recently that said, I love this podcast because Claire uses like tactical tips and suggestions and pieces of advice for me to go and implement into my life. And that's the goal with this, right? I don't want this to just be fluff and idea. I actually want it to be ideas and metaphors that help you understand some of the complex topics with intuitive eating and mindset related to food, and then actually break it down in a way where you can break it down in a way, there we go, where you can take what I talk about here and actually start applying it to your life the sooner the better, right? So I'm going to give you some tips to break this down. So when I think about food and viewing food as something that is positive in our life, not just something that has to be restricted and viewed as the enemy and talked down upon, right? Which is kind of what food and nutrition has gotten to almost in this day and age, which is really sad, is I view food as enjoyment, adventure, memory, and experience. I'm going to say those again. I view food as enjoyment, adventure, memory, and experience. Of course, 
I also view food as other things as well. <laughs> you guys know that I am a registered dietitian, so I also view food as fuel, as things that can be broken down in the body to help us be our best selves, right? As, you know, things that can be used in more of a physical sense, but so often I find that that is where like the buck stops with where a lot of people talk about food, right? Food is only being talked about as fuel or it's only being talked about as something that fights disease or it's only being talked about as something that fuels disease, right? Like as crazy and black and white as the messaging gets around food these days. And, you know, there's a time and a place, of course, to talk about what food does for the physical body, but that's not the purpose of this episode. So we're going to push that to the side for now. And we're going to talk about how to view food as enjoyment, adventure, memory, and experience. Because anyone who is on this intuitive eating journey knows that it is about the food itself, partly in some ways, but it's also about our relationship to the food and how we use food to enhance our life and our mindset, not allow food to detract from the healthiness and the happiness of our mindset and our life. So we're going to start by breaking it down into category number one, numero uno, that's Spanish. I took five years of Spanish in high school. Don't really remember much, but I do remember that one. So the first one is enjoyment. So the first question that I like to ask anyone that I'm talking to, especially if we're having kind of a, an intuitive eating discussion, is how much enjoyment or satisfaction are you currently getting out of your daily life, right? So I start with the question that's a little bit bigger that's like, hey, how much do you enjoy your life right now, right? <laughs> Which sounds like an obvious question, but think back in your own experience, like, when was the last time that somebody asked you, how much are you enjoying your life? I'll wait. Like, actually think about it for a second. That is not a question. Although it seems obvious, it's not a question that we ask people, right? We come out with these questions of... Uh, how much weight do you want to lose, right? What ails you right now? Like what's wrong in your life, right? We don't actually stop to ask the flip side question of how much enjoyment are you getting out of your daily life? And the reason why I bring this up now is more often than not, the answer in some way, shape, or form is going to relate back to how you view food, because food, and this is something that I say all the time, like token soundbite from Claire, food is something that you are going to face multiple times a day, every single day for the rest of your existence as a human being on this planet. If there are any dogs, cats, or farm animals, or other animals listening to this podcast, that also applies to you, but I'm going to speak to the humans here, but you are going to face this multiple times a day. And if you have a negative relationship or if you are in relationship to food that is adding no enjoyment or satisfaction, but rather is adding negativity, control, ickiness, right? Like if you just hate the food that you're eating, then your answer to the question of how much enjoyment are you getting out of life is probably going to be correlated in some way, shape or form to your relationship with food because our relationship with food is so integral to our relationship with our daily life, with other people and with ourselves. So in this conversation of, okay, well, 
I've identified that I need to add more enjoyment into my life. One of the ways is maybe through food. How can I do so, right? What are your two tips, Claire? Well, I'm glad you asked, kind human, on the other side of the radio or the speaker. I think I'm just going to turn this into like a monologue. I grew up an only child, by the way, so I'm very good at sitting here and just speaking to myself when no one's prompting me. But we're going to pretend you're like, well, how do I do that? Well, Tip number one is that you have to unlearn some of what you've learned to be true about food in the past. This is one of the core concepts of intuitive eating, where if someone comes to me and they're like, okay, cool, Claire, sounds amazing. How do I get started? More often than not, the first thing that comes out of my mouth is, okay, you're likely going to have to unlearn a lot of what you've been functioning under to be the truth about nutrition and relearn it in a way that is a little bit less polarizing and a little bit more positive rather than viewing food as the devil or food as the root of all evil or food as, you know, the one thing that is causing problems in your life. So how I like to phrase this is you have to turn up the volume on your own voice And you got to turn down the volume of the food police, right? So the voice of the food police, I know you have heard him or her before, but they sound something like this. I can't believe you're going to eat that. Did you really just eat that? You know how bad that is for you, right? Like the voice of the food police is never helpful 100% of the time negative and always makes you feel bad after you've had an interaction with him or her. So in order to unlearn some of this stuff, you're going to have to start being a little bit aware of when the voice of that food police shows up. You know, where are you? Who are you with? What is that food police saying to you? You have to be aware of when they're creeping into your life so that you can, one, figure out, you know, what the rules are, what the issues are, and two, you can start to turn down that voice, say, okay, I hear you, you know, I understand, right? I've given you a lot of control and power for a lot of my life, but that's not the way it's going to be anymore. I'm going to turn up the volume on my own voice that looks at things from a neutral perspective, right? Instead of looking at something that's typically considered terrible and bad by the food police, like a a cookie, for example, the voice of your intuitive self, you know, your intuitive detective, that kind mentoring soul within you would say, that's a cookie, right? I know that cookie is sweet. I know it contains carbohydrates, but I also know that it really has no moral value or implication on who I am as a human being. So I can choose to eat that cookie and I'll still be an okay version of me, or I can choose to not eat that cookie and I'll be an equally good version of me, right? So we're not allowing the voice of the food police to moralize food and make us feel bad in the process. So my main thing for you here. In order to unlearn what you've learned, you got to turn up the volume on your voice that is more neutral, that uses reason, that doesn't turn to guilt and shame and negativity as like a defense mechanism. And you just have to kind of figure out how can I make that more of my normal and more of my habit than giving the food police all of my power. So when you start to do this, the very cool thing, and I, again, I don't mean to minimize this process. Anyone who has worked or is working through this process in their own life, you know 
This is a daily reprieve. This is something that you have to do every single day, multiple times a day, often with the support of another human being. That could be a friend that is going through the same journey. That could be a family member. That could be a coach, someone like yours truly, for example, right? You have to do this every single day and it's not going to be something that just like poof, all of a sudden one day is better, right? You're going to have to figure out how to make it a habit for your voice to be louder than the food police. And that only comes with practice and support. AKA join our Facebook community. <laughs> How many times am I going to tell you to join the Facebook community? But the cool thing that I find happening when we do make it more of a habit to turn down the volume of the food police and turn up our own volume or the volume of our intuitive detectives is you can actually start listening to how you feel about certain foods, right? So you can have a food that you really enjoy and you're not going to suck all the fun out of it, right? (laughs) I think anyone who's kind of trapped in a diet mentality, like even if you are going to have something that the food police is telling you not to, they're saying you're a bad human being or you should feel guilty, even if you decide to be defiant to that voice, which is a whole nother problem in and of itself, even if you decide to eat that food, then you're not going to be able to listen to how you feel and you're not going to be able to enjoy the experience because you're going to suck all of the fun out of it, right? You're going to be a fun sucker. Don't be a fun sucker. (laughs) I wish you could see me right now. I'm like waving my arms in the air like a crazy person because I'm so passionate about this, right? When you start to turn down the volume on that food police, when you allow yourself to have foods that you may have restricted or been fearing in the past, when you give yourself the unconditional permission to eat and explore and add that enjoyment back, you actually have the power to listen to how you feel. So for example, you may find that, you know, the example of the cookie that I gave, you may find that that experience maybe underwhelms you a little bit and that may surprise you because you've given it so much power through all of these years. On the flip side, you may be able to try a food that you thought was gross as a kid and in listening to how you actually respond to it, you may be like, well, I actually enjoy this food and I never realized that it had this certain texture or I never realized that it tastes like this, right? Or that I smelled like this because the whole time I was just so worried about what that other voice in my head was saying. But now since I've quieted the voice, I have permission to listen to how my body feels when I eat certain foods. I have the permission to listen to if I actually enjoy certain foods. So I know what foods, you know, I can add to my list of enjoyment and what foods I maybe want to stay away from because they bring me no joy or value. And you can start making those decisions for yourself rather than allowing that really negative, awful food police to make all your decisions for you. Tip number two in relearning to view food as enjoyment is view food as a form of self-care. So something that I tell many of my clients always when we talk about the mindful eating component of intuitive eating, which is an entirely different rabbit hole that we will save for another podcast. But one thing I like to elevate of importance in this discussion is when you view food as a form of self-care, it automatically starts to become a more enjoyable experience. Like 
Think about any other form of self-care that you choose to engage in. For some people, this may be listening to your favorite podcast, the Your Shuli podcast, am I right? For some people, this may be listening to your favorite playlist on Spotify or taking a walk or, I don't know, getting a massage, cuddling your dog, coloring a picture, whatever your form of self-care is, when you think of that thing, you probably get some good emotions and some good feels coming up, bubbling up in your body, right? You maybe get a little excited about it. You're like, you know, I'm looking forward to this thing. And when you're actually in the moment of doing said thing, you don't necessarily want to rush through it because you enjoy your time. So in reframing and starting to view food as a form of self-care, it becomes something that you want to partake in. My alarm's going off. Hold on. Oh, glory of a, of a live podcast. I had an alarm going off. Excuse me. But you start to view food as something that you look forward to and something that helps to nourish your best self, both mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually, and something that you don't have to to dread because one, you don't have the voice of the food police chatting at you all the time, but two, you have a lot of movement and flexibility and you can figure out, again, how you actually feel about certain foods. So my tip here in viewing food as a form of self-care is within this frame, you have to give yourself permission to explore foods that you enjoy, right? And when I say give yourself permission to explore foods that you enjoy, I'm talking like all foods here, guys. So I think intuitive eating a lot of the times can be reduced to like, I'm just going to eat cake all the time because that's what my intuitive self wants. And like, I'm not trying to minimize that because I've known plenty of people, myself included, when you start to alleviate a lot of these rules, you may pass through a period of time where something that you've been restricting, for example, cake or, I don't know, bread, toast, whatever it is, that you may want to eat that more often, right? But the idea is that period of time won't necessarily last forever if you're truly giving yourself permission to eat because eventually you're going to realize that other foods exist and I also feel good when I eat a balance of other foods, whatever that may mean to me. So in giving yourself permission to explore foods that you enjoy, I mean maybe the sweet foods. I also mean the salty foods. I also mean fruits and vegetables, for example. Like I have been working with a client and one of our most recent conversations has been around the fact of like, I really enjoy different fruits. Why the heck have I not been giving myself permission to keep them in my house so that I can re-explore them, right? And figure out which ones I do love, right? So I think we typically think when we're giving ourselves permission to eat, our mind automatically goes to all of those foods we once considered as bad. But I mean all foods here, right? Give yourself permission to eat all foods that you enjoy. And In the process of doing this, you start to alleviate scarcity mindset around those foods that you enjoy. When you're keeping food in your house that you appreciate, that you enjoy, it's easier to view food as a form of self-care because your brain knows that that food is available and you're going to allow yourself to have that food and you don't have to enter into this relationship where you're fearing 
this food is scarce. I have to eat it all right now. You know, all my self-care time has to happen right now in this moment, right? When you can alleviate some of the scarcity mindset, the urgency lessens and food just becomes a little bit more of a normal thing that we navigate throughout life doing, but also enjoying navigating that in the process. So view your food as a form of self-care and alleviate the scarcity mindset associated with some of those foods that you do enjoy or that you do view as a form of self-care by keeping them around, right? And I don't mean you have to like live in the grocery store and have all of the expensive ingredients everywhere. Like I just mean keep foods in your house that you enjoy. Don't restrict yourself from those foods. One of the, one of my clients also has coined this term edible self-love or edible self-care. And I think this fits really beautifully into this discussion. Client of mine, if you are listening You are a glorious soul, and I love how you have phrased this because if we view food as a form of edible self-care and edible self-love, then we do start to form this relationship with it that is filled with gratitude, and it's filled with enjoyment, and it's filled with fun rather than thoughts of the food police, guilt, deprivation, restriction, everything that comes from that scarcity mindset that I just talked about that we gotta get away from. (laughs) Side note, tip number three. Just make food puns all the time. If you're wondering how you can make food more enjoyable, seriously, guys, make food puns more often and you will have more fun. That's all I have to say about that. If you want more tips on food puns, you can send me a DM and I would be more than happy to coach you in food puns. But the second thing, so we talked about food as enjoyment. Now we are going to talk about food as adventure. We're going to go on an adventure, guys. I want to ask you a question to start this off since I asked you a question to start the enjoyment section off is how have you ever been in a food funk, right? Again, a food funk. I typically describe a food funk as when you enter into a period of time in your life or in your relationship with food where nothing sounds good. Nothing is good enough. Nothing sparks your interest. Nothing sounds enjoyable. Unlike what we were talking about with tip number one, right? Where it's just, you're just unenthused and you don't feel like eating anything because nothing sounds good. Well, I dealt with a client recently who was feeling like she was in this food funk. And the kind of the thing that I like to talk about whenever a client brings me something that's going on in their life that is related to food. I kind of like to zoom out and say, okay, this struggle is surfacing with food, but it may be an indication that some other stuff is going on that we can also address in this discussion with your relationship with food. So what we talked about is if you're kind of in this place where nothing is good enough within food, It might be a reflection that maybe you're lacking enjoyment and adventure in other areas of your life, right? And I could go into tons of detail on how to add enjoyment and adventure to other areas of life, but for the purpose of this podcast, we're going to focus on how to add adventure, that adventure piece of the puzzle with food and food experiences. So the number one tip I have, if you answered like, yes, I have entered through a period of time where I have been in a food funk and my like get out of the funk by doing something a little bit adventurous, right? So tip number one is to challenge yourself to choose one new food 
each time you head to the store. And I know this sounds like a very overused, (laughs) boring tip that you've probably heard before, but I promise you, if you have the intentionality before you head into the store of, I am going to seek out something new, that thought in and of itself is going to be an adventure because you might have to search through portions of the store or, you know, certain products in the store that you have never even thought about before. So that's going to challenge a new pathway of thought in your brain, which is going to be an adventure. Now, once you have that food, it could be any food. I'm not telling you what food to get, but once you have that food and you bring it home, Maybe it's something that you've never cooked before. So I always joke, sometimes I get the question of like, well, I don't know how to cook that food. (laughs) I'm like, well, great. Thank you for sharing. Have you ever heard of my friend Google? Right? And like, I know I'm kind of saying that in a sarcastic way, but seriously, anything you have ever wanted to know about going on an adventure with food by cooking a new food is going to be on Google or in some area of the internet. So research how to cook said food, right? Figure out how you want to add this adventure to your life and put a little bit of thought into it, right? I think so often... We're like, well, I don't have time to do that, and I don't want to do that. And, you know, I I realize we all go through different seasons and phases of life, and I'm not telling you that you have to cook like a seven-course meal to have an adventure with food, but if you're in a food funk or you're wanting to improve your relationship with food, you got to make time to do something different, right? Because what got you here will not get you there, right? What got you to your current relationship with food is not going to get you out of that relationship with food. So I think it's time if you're feeling like you're in a food funk to add adventure by being intentional about picking up something new from the store. Doesn't have to be cray, doesn't have to be expensive, but just something that maybe is sparking your attention, catching your eye, that you haven't tried before. So tip number two in adding adventure to your food life is to be spontaneous. So the thing about spontaneity is it's one of, well, I won't say one of the few things that diets don't allow because diets don't allow a lot of things, but it's one of the big ideas that diets turn their back to. They are like cold hearted, right? Diets are mean and they say, no spontaneity, you're not allowed. And I think that is so sad because how fun is it to venture out into the world and have an experience that you really and truly enjoy that you weren't necessarily expecting to have, right? In the moment, it can be exciting. It can be something new, something different, something that brings you a new experience or allows you to connect with a new human. And I think food is a really big part of that, right? So if you head out into the world and you're like, I can only have scones on Monday, but it's Thursday and like one is sitting there and it looks beautiful. It can be healthy and enjoyable, right? Like we were talking about on the first bullet point and also an adventure to lean into that moment and say, Hey, I wasn't necessarily planning to do this, but this is part of a normal relationship with food that I can be spontaneous and that I can allow myself to add things into my day that wasn't necessarily expected. I bring up the idea of a scone because I did that exact thing this morning. I walked into a coffee shop and I was like, man, I don't know why that sounded like a Southern woman, but man, that scone looks delicious. And 
I got it and it was, it was so delicious. So what I'm talking about here with spontaneity, it could be something that is really, really simple. So I don't mean this to come across and like, you know, you have to go out and spend all this money on food that you weren't expecting to spend because I don't know your life. Like, I don't know if that's something that you like to do. I'm just speaking into a shiny microphone right now. I don't know who's behind it. So if that isn't something that you enjoy doing, if that's not something that is reality in your life right now, this could be something really simple like trying a random new sauce, right? You could be at home, you could be making some kind of food and you're like, I usually put ketchup on this, but hey, here's some other random sauce in my fridge. I'm going to try this and be spontaneous and try something different, right? It could also be something bigger, like what I just talked about. And when I say bigger, I don't mean like a scone isn't huge, but like, you know, it could be something bigger where it's like, I've never tried this restaurant and you know, I just drove by it and I want to try it today, even though I didn't plan on it and it's spontaneous. Or it could just be, you know, I typically go to this coffee shop. Let me go to a different one. You know, what I'm trying to say is it can be whatever you need it to be. But the idea with being spontaneous is the idea of spontaneity is something that can be so fun and it can add a lot of adventure to your life. And it can also add a lot of confidence in the intuitive eating journey. Because if you're working through a phase in your intuitive eating journey where you're trying to get past some negative relationship with food or a lot of food rules or that food police, one way to do that is just to do something off the wall, to do something fun that you weren't expecting and prove to yourself that you can make these split second decisions and that you will be okay unless you're allergic to the food. Now, don't be dumb, right? Don't do that. And at the end of the day, it will be okay. And that is all a part of living intuitively and enjoying your relationship with food. So that wraps up have adventures with food. The next thing I want to talk about, I'm going to bring a brief pause to this because I have to plug my computer in because it's going to die. Again, I decided when I was going to record this podcast that it was going to be unedited. So Okay, we good. The next thing I want to talk about is food as memory. So food can hold both positive and negative memories for, I think, all of us throughout our life. So unfortunately, I think a lot of, you know, as we continue to get older and move away from how we functioned around food as a child, many of our memories surrounding food or many of our thoughts surrounding food can be negative because we are so accustomed to listening to the negative messaging put out there by diets and fad and you know weight loss trends whatever it may be but for the purpose of this discussion and and especially Again, I don't mean to minimize what anyone has gone through. If you have ever been through a really negative relationship with food based on how you were treated in school, maybe you were bullied for what you ate or what you looked like, maybe your food environment at home was always talked about in a really negative way, or maybe you were shamed for the way that you chose to eat. So maybe for you, you have a lot of negativity wrapped up in your memories of food. But for the purpose of this discussion and for my hopefully helpful tips that I'm going to give you, I want to think back, and this is tip number one, 
I want you to think back to when you were a kid. And when I say kid, I know this word is kind of an umbrella term and in any age, many ages can fall into this, but I mean early enough in your childhood where you hadn't really developed any negative thoughts toward food yet. So if you've ever had the experience or the opportunity to hang out with a kid or a baby when he or she is eating, you may have noticed that children are some of the most wonderful brand ambassadors of intuitive eating. They're they're so naturally good at eating because eating intuitively or eating just in general is something that we were all born knowing how to do. When you watch an infant or a baby or a child eat, they know how much they need to eat in order to self-regulate for growth during that period of time in their life, which I think is so cool and interesting and, and fun. But In thinking back to when you were a kid, I want you to think back to early on enough where you hadn't really started internalizing anybody else's views on food. Like when you were little, it's so much easier to enjoy a food or get excited about a food when you hadn't picked up on any of the negative messaging surrounding food yet, right? Like food wasn't moralized to you. It wasn't good or bad. You weren't really internalizing what anybody else was saying about that food. You were just living your kid life eating the food and knowing that, hey, some food tastes good and I enjoy some food and other food, maybe not so much. So when you're thinking back to that period of time in your life as a kid, I want you to ask yourself, what did food mean to you? Like think back to some of those experiences where was food connection? Was food love, right? Like did you grow up in in a family where grandma was just like giving you cookies all the time because food was love, right? Was food something that you bonded over? Was food something that you shared as a cultural experience, right? What did food mean to you? First of all, and second part of that question is what foods did you really enjoy what foods what foods brought you together over shared experiences so when i think back to this time in my own life i loved bologna and cheese sandwiches so you may be laughing and saying claire did you really love bologna and cheese sandwiches and i kid you not when i tell you that bologna and cheese was my peanut butter and jelly i actually fun fact about me i actually didn't start liking peanut butter until like middle school or high school. Like I was a late bloomer with my love for peanut butter and jelly, but man, am I making up for it in my adult life. But I loved bologna and cheese. And I think this is a perfect example of kind of in thinking back what food meant to you or what foods you actually enjoyed. That doesn't mean that all of that food is still going to sound good to you, right? When I think of a bologna and cheese sandwich now, and no shame, if you love bologna and cheese, then like you enjoy it. But like I hear that now and it just doesn't sound that appealing to me. Maybe it's because I had it so much as a kid that I'm just not inclined to eat that. But that is an example that I have where I can associate positive memories with food that wasn't wrapped up in, oh, this is bad for me. Or, oh, what are they going to say about this? That's kind of like an untarnished, unsoiled idea in my brain of how food was just very simple. And it was something that I did, I ate, I enjoyed, I moved on. 
and I lived the rest of my life. So on a more serious, I guess I could say note, another example of when I think back to what food meant to me as a kid, to me, food or, or mealtime meant family time and connection. In my family, it was the thing that we did nightly where it's, you know, you came to the table you ate your dinner. And again, I've talked about this in past podcasts where I was lucky enough, you know, I could put the food on my plate. I could self-regulate, you know, that was all very positive for me, but food in and of itself or the time we spent around the table was very much rooted in connection and family time and non-distraction. So start to kind of think back in your own life. What were some examples that you can think of that are more positively associated with food? And how can you begin to replicate those again as an adult? How can you maybe eat some of the food that you really enjoyed as a kid, but you've since restricted from your life because you think they're bad or you have no control over them, whatever it may be? How can you bring back this childlike sense of joy nostalgia and memory and connection, right, over food. So that's tip number one, kind of revert back in a way to your childlike self and try to wrap your brain around like there was a time in my life where food was simple and I was able to enjoy and I didn't internalize the negative messages from the world around me, but I was just independently focused in my relationship with food. So tip number two, and it kind of plays into tip number one, is allow yourself to enjoy those childlike experiences with your meals. So I, one of my current clients, one of their main goals, and I think it's so cool in this intuitive eating realm, is I want to get back in touch with my inner kid, right? I want to have joyful experiences with food. I want to have something like ice cream and be able to think about how amazing and wonderful and lucky I am to be able to enjoy this food and, you know, spend time with my friends and whatever ice cream may mean for them rather than be wrapped up in my own head about how many calories are in this, how many fat grams, right? Kind of like I talked about with enjoyment, how can we not suck the fun out of food because a kid wouldn't do that, right? A kid would not want to suck the fun out of any experience. A kid would want to enjoy the experience for all that it is and prolong that time, prolong that sense of enjoyment, right? Use that time for self-care. It's all coming full circle here. You're seeing what I'm doing. So tip number two, allow yourself to enjoy some of those childlike experiences with your meals because you knew what to do you knew what you liked, you knew how to eat before all these negative messages started to affect you. So the fourth thing, fourth and last thing that we will go over here on what food can be or what you can view food as is an experience, right? So what I mean by this is looking at food in a multi-dimensional way. So I think so often food is reduced to something that is so one-dimensional, right? It's something that we check off and get done because we have to eat to survive, or it's something that we, you know, eat what's on the plan and that's it, right? Like we just shove it down and we get it down and we move on with the rest of our day. And it's not ever something that is an experience, but it's something that we have to do to check off the box of being a human being. And I think we all pass through phases of life where food feels like this, right? You may be really busy and it's something that you just have to do and you have to grab something that's quick and easy and that's totally okay. But I'm talking about more holistically here, how can we view food as more than just something that we check off of a list, but something that we create 
a full experience around to get the most enjoyment out of it. And not the most enjoyment just out of how it tastes, but just how it makes us feel what experiences food can bring us to, who it can connect us with, right? So it's looking at food from more than just a fuel, one-dimensional, I do it because I have to perspective. So a few examples of this, it could be the experience of cooking, right? It could be involving yourself in in trying a new recipe or seeing food through to the final product of, you know, I saw this in its raw form. I know not all of us can like travel to a farm and see how it grows. That's another story, but I saw it in its raw form and now I brought it to life through this recipe and it was an experience that I got with this food and now I get to eat it. So it's something that is more holistic, something that we do, not just something that we just have to eat, right? If you're not a huge fan of cooking because again I know not everyone loves to cook and I'm not here to push things on you it's like you have to cook now no like if you hate cooking you can maybe try different types of food right maybe different foods from different cultures and you can maybe learn about the foods before after or during eating them right so it becomes something that is bigger than just the food itself it can be an experience of learning different skills. So kind of going back to the idea of cooking, if a recipe asks you to julienne vegetables, <laughs> that isn't meaning go and find your friend julienne. It's actually a type and a style of cut, right? Or if it asks you to dice something, to mince something, right? It can be a learning experience of how can I learn these different skills. It can be an experience of different flavors and how to use different flavors. It can be an experience of travel if you go to different parts of the world or even to different parts of your neighborhood or maybe to different friends' houses, right? They may eat different food and learning about that food can be all part of the experience. And it can also be an experience of bonding. So I touched on this briefly in the memory portion, food as memory, but food can also bring you closer together, right? I like to encourage anyone who doubts this to just think about any celebratory event that you have gone to. It could be a holiday, it could be a party, it could be like asking a friend to hang out with you. How central is food to one, if not all of those events? Our experiences. Food is bonding. Food is sharing. Food is social, right? So my tip number one for you in viewing food as more of an experience is challenge yourself to have multi-dimensional experiences with food, aka, like I was talking about earlier, more than just eating the food or more than just restricting the food, more than just thinking the food is fuel. So a couple of ideas that I have as far as how you can do this is you can share an uninterrupted meal either with yourself or with someone else. So if you're doing this with yourself, I like to make a to-do about some of my meals. And again, I know not all meals can be like this and we have busy lives and we're not always going to be able to sit down and, you know, make a big to-do and light a candle and put a placemat. And I know that's not the reality of it all the time, but when you can give yourself the gift of that experience and a mindful eating experience, again, that will be a different podcast, but Side note, shameless plug, if you live in Roanoke, Virginia, where I'm located currently, and you're around April 1st at 6.30 p.m., I will be hosting a free mindful eating workshop at Pure Bar here in Roanoke. Pure, B-A-R-R-E. I'm not going to a bar that serves alcohol to teach this. I'm going to a bar studio where they teach classes. So if you're wondering more about mindful eating in your local 
come see me there. But you can share an uninterrupted meal with yourself, with other people, right? Where phones are away, distractions are away, and you're enjoying the meal and also the presence of the other human being that you are with. So that's a way to get an experience. You can set the table, set some mood lighting, set some music, right? To your meal to make it more of a multi-dimensional experience. And you can also change the location of where you enjoy your meals. I have one client where after we walk through the mindful eating exercise, because all of my one-on-one individual clients, we go through a detailed mindful eating experience where I walk them through what I'm talking about with a piece of food that they enjoy. But one thing that they discovered is like, you know, I, I never realized that sitting at my dining room table, there's a beautiful view that I can also enjoy. So I am enjoying the the food in the physical sense, but also, you know, the, the meal is more nourishing because I get to look at the beautiful view. Or maybe today I'm going to take my lunch and eat it outside in the sunshine if you're lucky enough to live in a place where the sun is shining. Or, you know, I'm going to eat it at a different location of my house that is pleasurable and enjoyable. So I get an experience that is bigger than just the food. And lastly, I've hinted at this before, but you can learn about food from different cultures and try food from different cultures. This can be as simple as trying a new recipe from a different culture in your own house. It could be related to your travels. It could be if you have a friend that grew up in a different culture asking, hey, what was food like for you? You know, would you like to come over? We can make a meal together. You can teach me about the experience of food that you had growing up. So then it hits the memory component and it hits the experience component. So all of those food for thought chew on them. Tip number two is involve others in the experience of making food. So the best example I have of this is if you have a friend who is wanting to learn more about cooking or a family member, or if you have kids and you're wanting them to grow up with fond memories, like we talked about of food or involve them in the experience of the food, it can be a really wonderful time to learn, time to experiment, time to get creative and view food in a way that's more than just something that I have to check off my list. So it's something that can be fun. It's something that you can, again, how many times that can I say bond over in an episode? It's something that you can experiment with. I am working with a client now who she wanted to add in more plant-based foods to her way of to her way of eating her daily life and that is involving having to explore some different cooking techniques and some different foods and in the process of this she's involving her kids saying you know what do you think about this or this is a jackfruit <laughs> this is how we cook a jackfruit or these are beans here are three or four different ways that we can incorporate beans into our food right so it's an experience that's bigger than the food itself but allows us to view food as something that is exciting, is fun, is time to learn, is time to be creative. So we grow up if you're dealing with children or we navigate our days looking at food for more than just the aspect of fuel. So there you have it, my friends, enjoying food as something, you know, to something to enjoy, enjoying food as something to enjoy. That was good, Claire. Food as, here we go, something to enjoy, something to adventure on, something to create memories or have memories around, and something to experience. So I hope all of these tips will serve you well 
You can shoot out into your life, go out into the world, and tell people that food is more than just fuel, and here's how you are making that a reality in your daily life. So the last thing I will say here on this podcast, you know what I say at the end. If you got any tidbit of value from what we talked about today, from these actionable items that you are going to take and apply to your life, I would be so grateful. And the best way that you can say thank you is by tapping those five stars and by leaving a review telling me what you learned from this episode, what you love about the podcast, and even what you would like to see in a future episode. I am always up for recommendations. Sharing, rating, and reviewing this podcast is the only way that it is going to continue to grow and reach the ears and the minds that it needs to to continue making an impact. So whatever kind words, rating you have to share, I would be forever grateful. And if you would like to share this on social media, you can take a screenshot of however you are listening to this podcast now, upload it to your Instagram story, to your Facebook, tag me at Claire Tuning. And if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, you can easily get a shareable link to send out to all your friends, all your family of this episode. If you hit the three little dots in the bottom right-hand corner of your screen, press share, and that will give you a link to blast out on whatever social media channels you would like. So again, thank you for spending some time with me today, and I'll see you back here next week. Yours truly, Claire.